What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Four Verge Podcast. Uh, in this episode, we're going to be breaking down the SEC Championship game and then looking at some of the coaching changes going on around college football right now. So, thanks for tuning in. Let's get it. SC Championship didn't quite go the way you wanted it to, did it, Davini? Not at all. So tell us about it. What happened? Um, so tell me where they touched you. As a, <laughs> that's a hot start. All in the uh, wrong places, Mister Officer. Um, <laughs> so I told y'all earlier, um, a couple days ago that I wasn't like mad that we lost you know because pretty much every time we play Alabama it's a close game and it comes down to the last couple minutes um so like I wasn't I wasn't super surprised at the loss um I was shocked on how bad we lost um we got slaughtered really um the same score as last year 41-24 you know thinking Alabama was having a down year per se, even though they only have one loss and a potential Heisman winner, um, which is pretty crazy to say for a down year for Alabama. But anyway, um, in our defense, supposedly being the most dominant um, college football has seen, you know, in this century. Um, yeah, it was heartbreaking for sure, you know, because leading up to it, I thought this was going to be one of the games that we're going to take it out all the past years frustration on Saban. Um, and he said, not so fast. Um, so I'll get into it. Um, you know, why don't, why don't we start off with, let's start off with defense. Um, because, you know, I'll finish up with offense and talk about the uh, QB situation. Um, it ain't Stetson's fault though. Stetson didn't give up 400 yards passing. Um, yeah, that's why I'm going to start with defense. It's kind of his fault, though. I ain't gonna lie. <laughs> well, yeah, we'll get it. We'll get into that later. We'll get, don't get me going on that right now. Let me talk about defense. Um, all right, so defense. Um, so like going going into this game, Kirby kind of switched it up this year. Um, he's usually always been a press man guy. Um, the past couple of years with the defense, um, with occasional zone. But this year, we ran a lot more zone. Um, I think it was like almost 60, 70% um, throughout the year. Um, and apparently, before this game, um, people like us and, uh, you know, people that really love college football um, saw that Alabama struggled on offense when teams would 
press their wide receivers and run main coverage and force Williams and Mechie on the boundary, um, which probably any quarterback would struggle with that. Um, but, you know, this week, for some odd reason, against Alabama, Kermy didn't want to do that. I don't know if it was him or Dan or if it was both of them. Um, we didn't even run our normal zone defense. They came out there with different zone coverages than what we've been running on year. That's why you saw, you know, the confusion um, and a lot of these, a lot of these plays, especially that long touchdown um, when Williams was uh, gliding on the turf. Um, Check so, out man's bill. I'm not kidding. I'm not kidding. <laughs> he was scooting, man. Um, He's on PED. He needs to be tested immediately. Yeah. So, I mean, the first, the first couple of drives, we uh, forced him to a punt. Um, looked pretty well. And then after the first quarter, the second quarter, Bryce just started picking the soft-ass zone apart. Um, you know, for some reason against these talented wide receivers, we were getting them, giving them 10 and 15-yard cushions on the outside and just letting them pretty much run in space. And, you know, as history shows with good wide receivers, um, give them the ball in space is uh, usually no bueno. Um, but for some reason, we just kept playing soft zone in the first half and uh, didn't pretty much had no pressure whatsoever in the first half, like zero. It was the craziest thing I've seen all year. Um, Which is shocking. Yeah. I mean, shocking. Granted, granted, the Alabama offensive line did step up and play probably the best game of their year. Um, oh, easily. But at yeah, the same easily. time, our defensive line came in there acting like they were going to run right through them. Um, which Auburn did, granted. They probably watched a lot, of, a lot of Auburn film, and Auburn did run through the offensive line. The week and George has been running through people's offensive lines all year. Exactly. And then, I don't – it, dude, it was so frustrating to watch. When you know – I saw somebody that um, said that, you know, it's, it's weird to watch a team that's clearly ta- – I think, Sam, you might have said it in the group or something that – um, it's sad to see a beat down um, to a team that's clearly more talented than them. Um, well, I definitely didn't say that. No, I think it was put, somebody. Don't put somebody, that on me, coach. No, somebody tweeted it. Because, um, you know, on our defense, we're definitely more talented than, you know, I would say their offensive yeah, line. Yeah, front seven against, against their offensive line backs. 100%, not even yeah. close. And it's just it, – you didn't see any, you know there, – there was one hustle play I saw all night. And that's when uh, Devontae Wyatt was uh, working spy. He tripped up over his old feet, um, ended up running down Bryce after he cooked William Poole, which I'm about to get into later. Um <laughs> And forced a fumble. And that was like the only hustle play I remember seeing all game. You saw guys standing up when they were running hurry up because they were tired. Um, especially Jordan Davis, which is really just not good. I mean, overall, the the defensive line just played the worst game all year. And it was that's just not what needed to happen. And um it just didn't look like they had any giddy up though. 
Because even no. Jordan Davis, I mean, he'd get he'd get locked up with with their right guard, who I don't know who their right guard is, but um, that's his whole draft tape. Because he <laughs> was just because it was it was Jordan Davis and Jalen Carter, both of them were running into this guy, and he was just extending his arms, and both of them just they just quit. Yeah. Like nobody's Even, trying to swipe his arms away. Nobody's trying to put a move on him or count. Like they're just they're just kind of go. Oh, I'm just going to stand here. I'm not going to let him push me off the line, but I'm not going to go get the ball. Which yeah, it was it was strange. It, it was so it was so weird to watch because it's something that was uncharacteristic and you've never seen it all year from from that D line. And then all of a sudden, like you said, they would um. They would run uh, stunts, or they bring Nakobe in the A gap, and even Nakobe didn't. When Nakobe or uh, or Quay would blitz the A gap, they would get hit by a lineman that picked them up and stopped. They weren't they weren't fighting through blocks, and it just in the first half when you only when you, the only time you blitz is when you bring a, one linebacker. Like we got no pressure on Bryce, and we let him pick us apart in the second quarter. Um, and you can't second, really run zero coverage on them, though, when they're, when they're just cooking you on post routes. You can't, you can't run one safety and have the safety trying to, to cover somebody in the slot. I mean, you can't go one-on-one on the outside. You just, you just can't. It eliminates a lot of your pressures, but, I mean, I haven't gone back and watched it, so I don't really know if y'all even, if y'all even showed blitz or tried to, like, scheme up pressures but we did you're right it was, uh, yeah it there was were a, a few it times was a four-man rush every play there is in the, in the yeah i was just gonna say there were there were a few where y'all would show like pretty heavy blitz and then back everybody out kind of sit back into a base um i haven't gone back to watch it either but i remember a few a few different blitzes but i don't know it was kind of weird yeah but it was like it wasn't even like an extra rusher blitz. It was like you said, it was like a linebacker would come and right. stand and a D, a D lineman would drop back. Yeah. Like in the first half, we never uh, blitzed more than – we never had more than four rushers in the first half. Yeah. Wow. Which is beyond me. And I'm about to give you all some numbers because in the second half, I guess they finally got their foot out of their ass and realized that, hey, we need to press these guys on the outside to buy these rushers some time. And they finally bring in, they finally dialed up more rushers on the blitzes. And we brought five and six guys in the second half. And it helped a lot. I'll uh, give you some stats of Bryce Young. Um, when he was blitzed, he was eight for 20 for 104 yards, no touchdowns. When he wasn't blitzed, so three or four rushers. He was 17 for 23 for 308 yards and three touchdowns. Cooking. Cooked when you didn't blitz. Absolutely cooked. And we didn't figure that out until the second half. Um, but that's that's what's so crazy to me is that's literally what they've put on tape all year. Exactly. Is that their offensive line, I mean, I don't want to sit here and say Alabama's offensive line sucks, but I think when you look at the tape, and you see the fact that it's not one guy that sucks. It's at any point anybody on their line can get beat one-on-one. And then when you start bringing pressures and stuff off the edge, you get Bryce Young out of a rhythm. I mean, that's that's what Auburn did. Auburn just yeah. destroyed the scrimmage by, by bringing everybody. Fuck it. Bring everybody. 
I, yeah. I almost felt like y'all were, were so afraid to get beat over the top that you kind of came out of the aggressive game plan or maybe didn't even yeah. start with a game plan since there wasn't any sort of pressures to begin with. Yeah. It, but it I understand was... it. You you kind of got to expect your guys to win one-on-one up front just based on what you've seen on tape. It was it was super conservative in the first half, and it bit us in the ass. Um, yeah, first half, um, they averaged 15 and a half yards per attempt in the air when we, when we only brought three or four guys. In the second half, when we brought five or six guys, he, um, they only averaged two and a half yards per attempt from 15 to two, just bringing one extra guy, two extra guys. Hell, the, I thought it was very interesting, the fact that probably, I guess it was after the long bomb to Jamison Williams over double coverage in the third quarter, after that drive, I guess at that point they went up what, forty-one to seventeen or whatever it was. No, that was that was thirty-one okay. seventeen. Yeah, but that was the first. That yeah. was the first drive of the uh, third quarter. Okay, well that's not the one I'm thinking about. Then their last scoring drive after that they kind of they kind of shut it off and just started throwing underneath to to Robinson and like I mean they had they had like three drives in a row that combined ate like two and a half minutes off the clock. Yeah. I just kept thinking, okay, they're gonna they're gonna give Georgia enough chances. Yeah. Where if Stetson can just complete a damn throw downfield, they can get rolling again. But we had them. I don't know. We had them. I'll get into that in the offense in a second. But the other thing on defense that really pissed me off, like that really didn't make any sense whatsoever. I can't justify of why they did this is they benched Latavius Brinney and started a redshirt senior, William Poole, who hasn't had but four career starts in five years of the program. That just makes no sense to me. Like, why? I Maybe they saw a matchup or something. that he Maybe they thought he'd do better in coverage against these wide receivers than Brinney did. But when you bring a guy, like when you bring someone into a, a game, you start him who hasn't really played all year except for garbage time. I mean, of course he's going to be confused and run around everywhere. I mean, he got cooked. Yeah, why would he do that? Why was it was it a situation in? like the Tennessee game where you bring in Dan Jackson because you have more confidence in him and to run coverages than Brenny at star? I mean, is that is that the line of thinking here or? I guess I don't that that's the only thing I can think of that remotely makes sense. Um but yeah that that just that that just really pissed me off. And honestly, DK had the best game on that defense. He didn't give up a touchdown, he only gave up like two catches, I think. Like yeah, a I don't really remember seeing him. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean that's good as a corner. Yeah, that's what you want. Um, Just trust and, me, I remember him in a lot of big games for us yeah. for all the wrong reasons. And besides that uh, dime in double coverage that Bryce threw on Keeley, and the double move that cooked him, Lord. that's the only um, that's the only play he really gave up 
he only gave up two catches and one of them was that. So DK Keeley actually played really good on the outside. It's, you know, they attacked what we all knew that when they were going to attack, the safeties and the star and cover. I mean, if I guess on the post route where, where, where Williams was floating, I guess that was scene 16, right? Isn't that Lewis scene? Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, he's he's sitting back there, and I don't know what made him run down towards the flats, like, as soon as the ball was snapped. I can't – I still can't explain that one after watching the replay, but – and I don't even know who the safety was that was chasing him. I mean, he was gone anyway. It was but Smith. it's almost like you're, you're, yeah, yeah, you're clearly in a cover too right here. So scene is over the top. He has to be. And you got three guys down in the flats covering two people on his own. Like there's just there's, Christopher Smith is screwed. All yeah. James Williams has to do is go to his left, and he's just he's going to outrun everybody. Yeah. There's there not, was nobody not, within 15 yards of him when he caught the ball. Yeah, there's not a there's not a free safety that's going to run him down on that play in the country. Um, but the reason he did bite, the reason scene came in, is because there was like a a shallow crosser coming across the middle. I don't know why he picked that up. But in the cover two, I mean, your corners your corners biting down on it. If he's crossing, you got two three linebackers in the middle of the field that are covering that that middle part of the – I mean, between the hashes, basically. Yeah. I mean, that's why people think it was because of the uh, – a, a new – It's almost like he thought a, the corner another, was blitzing. He had to go down and cover that. Yeah. It was just misconfusion, blown assignment. Some Somebody did something wrong. And I don't know if it was seen that did it wrong. And he, you know, thought that he was supposed to get the crosser and uh, Smith was going to be behind him on the post. I don't know. But it was it was ugly, and you saw guys wide open on the boundary too. After Bryce held the ball for three or four three or four seconds, he'd throw it, and you're yeah. like, "All right, that's going nowhere." And yeah, last drive of the first half, he throws it back, and, and you got Mechie over there at the sticks. Yeah. No one in the no one. wide he's, open. Yeah. He's on an island, and the same thing happened. I get with it, Bill, bro. I get it. If you leave like Jaleel Billingsley, or if you leave Brian Robinson out in the flat, but Mechie, 15 yards down the field, <laughs> no one around. Why don't, How do we lose eight? Like it, it, it just it was a it was a cluster, and I think the second half is when they finally went back, you know, to what they were used to doing, and you saw a little better coverage. But the, it was already too late; they already got shredded in the second quarter. Um, but a big, you know, it was. Not until the fourth quarter where you thought it was game over because, you no, know. Because I kept getting stops. Yeah. And that's when we finally – I kept thinking yeah. Georgia's, Georgia's a drive away, a downfield pass, hit one for 30, go back to George Pickens, throw one deep. Yep. And that's why I'll, I'll just run – I'll bring in the offense real quick. First quarter was great. That uh, I thought the drive they'll score our first touchdown and go up ten nothing. I thought that was a beautiful drive. I thought the drive the that ball we, on them. Yeah, I thought the drive that we tied the game up at seventeen was another beautiful drive by Munkin, play calling wise. That screen to um, McConkey, beautiful play. I mean, that's how you draw up a perfect screenplay for twenty yards out. That was perfect blocking. Yeah, I mean, it, yeah. those two scoring drives were amazing. 
But then you look at low key, it. Low-key Stetson set that one up, though, because he flipped his hips back to the right, and the safety moved with him, and then he came back to McConkie, and obviously the block set up, and there's just a freaking – you could drive a U-Haul truck in the end zone with him. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was – and then they got the ball back, and then the fumble happened, and this goes back to discipline football that just didn't happen. Nolan Smith tries to pick up the ball and tote it. And so if he if he jumps on that ball, he gets it. But he stopped and bent down for it. And that gave Bryce enough time. I don't know how Bryce Young got the ball back. I literally I I can't explain it. If Nolan Smith jumps down on that ball, he gets it. But instead he slows down and he could to stand over it. Break Bryce's Bryce. Y'all needed a sniper. Bryce's he needed to just fall down where he was. Bro, yeah. we would have they wouldn't have scored, and we would have had the possibility with a minute left to get a couple plays together, kick a field goal, or even score, or not score yeah. at all and run the clock out, and it's 17-17 at half. But, no, they get the ball back, score 24, and they got the momentum going into halftime with getting the ball back in the third quarter. Yeah, that's the big problem right there. I always talk a- about the middle four. They won the middle four. They they scored right before half. They get yep. the ball. They score again. And y'all don't even y'all don't even touch the football. Nope. That's how you get screwed right there. Yeah. Because you're right. I mean, if you if you if you can fall on the fumble and say you say you move the ball 35 yards and you get a you get a Pod Leslie field goal, that's a 10 point swing based off of what we know actually happened. Yeah. You take seven points off the board, put three for you. I mean, hell, that's. I don't know. I just I, – I felt like there were so many opportunities for Georgia to take the game over, like, early in the game, and it just – no. And then Jamison Williams starts floating down the sideline, and it's just like, oh, hell, I lose. Yeah, it, it, it was just – it didn't make any sense. It, it really didn't. Because the first – the first um, touchdown they had is when he was wide open on that uh, – that deep post, they went up 10-7, right? Kicked field goal 10-10. They went up 17-10. We tied at 17. And then what just – what took place after that is what we just talked about. They come out and score, and so then we're down by two touchdowns, okay? And so we get the ball back after they score – Abandon the run. We abandon the run, and we have we're actually like we're marching the ball down the field. We get inside the red zone, and Stetson throws a pick. I still can't understand throwing back across your body right there. I mean, because it's 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 what like second and eight, or was that a third down? Yes, it's second down. He throws across his body, and the guy is all over him. Another it away. Thing. It's second Did down. Stetson run the ball at all? No. He never he because never because I'm used sitting here feet. thinking about that one. And I mean he's he's close to the sideline. He probably gets tackled for a two-yard gain, or he can throw it away. But all year, yeah. those are the ones that Stetson's like, ah, fuck it. I'm gonna put this on the highlight. And goes and runs for 10. Yes. That was that's the whole argument of why people have been saying Stetson is the guy because he can extend plays with his legs. Well, he didn't do it against Alabama. And 
there are definitely times he could have. I don't know why he didn't. But, but Bama's Achilles heel for a decade has been running quarterbacks. Yep. Moving the pocket, all the all the little things that Stetson's good at. And I, to be honest with you, I feel like Munkin called a pretty good game. I, I there, thought I mean, he called was, a great game. There was lack of execution in the second half with a lot of the incompletions, and obviously Stetson, you know, throwing a couple to the to the red shirts. But I mean, yeah, I don't know. It's when it's when he is. Forced. I just want to. I just want to see the rematch. I don't really give a shit. I just want to see the rematch at this point. <laughs> Because I feel like Kirby can look at this and be like, okay, I screwed up. We're going to get back right. Yeah. And then, you know, minus John Mechie, you know, RIP, but got to keep moving. He, Stetson just gets tunnel vision in between the numbers and just throws picks, man. The second pick, the pick six, McIntosh was triple covered. Like, it just – and that's that they, he's been doing that all year. That's what is the frustrating part. He did it last year against Alabama, too. He had three picks last year against Alabama. This year he had two. When we get down, we need a guy that is going to protect the ball and get you points on the board, whether it's in field goal range or in the end zone. And we got down to the red zone twice because our defense came up huge and stopped them after their first touchdown in the third quarter. We got down to the red zone twice. We threw a pick the first time, and the second time was when we went for it on fourth down, which I don't mind the play call, but I felt like it was super rush, and Stetson yeah. just had – he just folded. I don't, like, I don't, I don't know what he did. He just threw it up in the air. Like, what are you doing? That's the, that's the play, like, at the very end of the third quarter, right? Yeah. It was that fourth Where you could have just, yeah. you know, kind of let the clock run out and figured out what you wanted to do. Yeah, yeah, we'll call the timeout. I mean, we had three of them. I don't – I mean, the only thing I can think right there is that you're looking at it from the from the booth, from Munkin's point of view, and you're thinking, okay, they're in some sort of personnel that I feel like I got a matchup on. Because if not, why would you not run the ball there? Nope. Um, it's, it's just when you have to put the game in Stetson's hands, it doesn't go well. You know, we see it time after time again. It's um, I'll give you another uh, just for – But, man, if Stetson ever does it playing hero ball like that, he's going to be the GOAT. <laughs> Stetson's going to screw around and, like, take the game over against Michigan or something. I'm not ready here for – Uh, I'd be nervous about their defensive ends. Them boys hard. Yep. Um, but, yeah. And another thing on offense, I love the play calling, but we got to figure out a stable wide receiver rotation. We had, 13, we had 13 different rotations of wide receivers and different, different guys that were on the field at the same time. Just Look, leave A.D. Mitchell out there. Just let Brock, him do something on the boundary, please. Brock, yes, Brock Bowers is incredible athlete. Savage. Yeah, he's, he's savage. And he showed it. But you can't – you can't <laughs> – like, you can't just only throw it to him, Stetson. Like, you got George Pickens who had one catch all game. Did he even get on the field after that? Ran He ran, like, 12 routes. Okay. 
That's about 11 more than I expected. Yeah, A.D. Mitchell ran like 20-something routes, caught the ball twice. Darnell ran 20-something routes, caught the ball once. Like, feed these he scored, playmakers. Though. He did score. Feed these playmakers. He dunked on him. Yeah, he did. Got mossed. Like, it's just – Oh, man. It just, it, I don't know how many more times I'm going to say it. When, when we're down, we had ample amount of opportunity to come back in that game and tie it up or make it close. And we didn't execute on it. And that's why it looks like a blowout. Um, and that Stetson is the guy that he can, he can ride that defense and win you the football game. But he's not going to be – he's not the guy that's going to bring you back from a two-touchdown deficit and, and win it for you. It just – it's – it's so frustrating to watch because you saw our the only two big games where we got behind last year with high octane offenses were Alabama and Florida, and the same shit happened in those two games. We got down early in the game, in the second quarter, both of those games by like two or three touchdowns, and we never caught back up because our offense couldn't. They just couldn't. Yeah, I mean, last time Stetson threw forty or more passes. It was in Tuscaloosa. We know how yeah, that one I, ended. I think that Kirby needs to get his hand out of the offense. Yeah, I don't – Just let Munkin do what he was hired you to think do. That's I, mean, what it is, I mean, I mean, yeah, I think so. I have some points to hit on that, actually. Um, oh, let's hear it then. Um, While saying, yeah, I think it's definitely Kirby Smart Curry Smart's hand the offense. I mean, you look what Monken did. I don't, I don't, I don't know what he did in the NFL necessarily, but Oklahoma State's his last college job. Um, him and Brandon Whedon, he he took Brandon Whedon and threw for almost five thousand yards that season with him. Um, and then Georgia just doesn't do the same. And and I don't, it's also also mismanagement of the quarterback position. Um, Georgia signed five five star QB. Well, is about to sign their fifth one. Alabama signed one since Kirby Smart's been at Georgia. Um, Alabama is also averaging about 1,200 more yards per season than, than Georgia is in that stretch. Um, Georgia's averaging 27 attempts per game in, that, in the whole stretch um, for 220 yards a game. Alabama's 29 29 attempts for almost 300 yards a game. So it's not like Alabama's throwing it a bunch more either. Um, They're just more efficient. Yeah. And it's, I mean, I think a lot of that. And it just, I mean, if you look at, if you look at, I, I just compared them to Alabama a lot because, I mean, that's the only comparable team. That's what really. we're doing here, though. But if you look at Alabama through the years, um, they've switched, they've kind of switched over to a heavier passing passing offense, obviously. Um, I mean, they've averaged 4,000 yards through all the seasons that Kirby Smart's been at Georgia. Um, but they've just getting gotten more and more into that. But also, if you look at the running stats between both teams during that stretch, 39 attempts a game for 200 yards for Georgia, 39 attempts a game for 200 yards for Alabama. They're running the same. It's just Georgia yeah. won't throw the ball, can't throw the ball, refuses to be explosive throwing the ball. 
and it's not recruiting that's done it either. They've recruited quarterbacks probably at a higher tier than any other team in the nation. It's because Kirby Smart won't get his stupid hands out of the offense and let Todd Monken create a 4,000-yard passer. My question with that is, he's is like micro, personnel, he, because he might, he might, he went, he plays football games the same way every single time. If you look at Alabama's schedule, they're, they, they, they won a close one. On what's the score? It was, it was 24 22 to Auburn and, and, you know, double overtime. But they can also beat Mississippi State 49 to nine. And, you know, they can win close ones, low scoring ones. They can win the shootouts, and Georgia can't do that. They haven't progressed into the new age of offense, and I think it's because Kirby Smart's holding it back a bit. Georgia's trying to be like 2012 Bama so bad. That's where Kirby's modeled his team after. It's like, bro, yeah. that, we're, we're past that. you got to win with some offense. But I almost wonder if it's personnel, though, because you have so many guys at Georgia. But it's also – it's also – it's been – You don't like, have – Go ahead. Well, you just don't have you don't have the stable of receivers, proven receivers like Bama does. Yeah, the receiver. I looked at receiver recruiting too, and Alabama has recruited a little bit better there. Um, two five stars, or yeah, two five stars to Georgia's one four five star, which is George Pickens, who's obviously uh, been out a bunch of his career. But I mean, if you look at the numbers like throughout the years since twenty sixteen, it's similar every year, passing and uh, you know throwing the ball and running the ball. Um, and it's through, it's been through three coordinators now and the offense hasn't, hasn't changed. I mean, there's some concepts that change a little it's bit insane. here and there, but it's, it's so consistent throughout the year since 2016, you had, you know, Jim Chaney and then you had, uh, Coley for a year or whatever. And then you brought Monk in and then it's just, it's never, the offense never changed. You could say the same about Bama because once they, once they really committed to like, Offense. Well, they took that's yeah. when Lane Kiffin. That's when yeah. Lane Kiffin was 15, yeah. 16. They got the Lane. They're Kiffin still running the same scheme. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they they haven't changed a whole lot. I mean, but their numbers this have year's changed. a little bit. Yeah, I mean, they had a different quarterback. Back when yeah, back, back when they have when back when they had Hurts, Jalen Hurts, they were throwing for three thousand yards to two thousand six hundred yards, and then every year since then, it's been forty five hundred yards in the air. Because that's I mean, what you got to do. You got to. I mean, it's not, you know, it's not really an age of defense anymore. You know, obviously you got to have a good defense. Um, it helps. But if you don't have a powerful offense to get I mean, you back into games or take games away, you're, I mean, what do you, it's not, it doesn't help. And that's what the QB situation at Georgia, since Kirby got there, has been a cluster Incredible, you know, incredible. You see, you see it every year, and it makes no sense. We get Jason, uh, we get Eason, five star from Cali. His first year, not too bad, but not great. Eight and four. You know, I went and looked at Eason that's a couple of weeks ago, and I remember him as a freshman thinking, "This guy sucks." His numbers were solid. They yeah, I'm telling wasn't you, bad, dude. They were he, extremely solid. He wasn't bad, dude. He wasn't bad at all. And he went eight and four, and that was when our roster was depleted. We were we were really bad on defense that year, and he really didn't have a lot of guys around him, uh, playmaker wise, um, besides in the backfield. Um, and then the next year, we bring in Fromm, and Easton gets hurt, 
in the first uh, – it was the first or second game. I can't remember. We're playing – I know who we're, we're playing App State. I just can't remember who it was first or second game. But he gets hurt. Fromm comes in, and he takes he takes the reins. He doesn't give – he never gives Easton another chance um, the rest of the year, and that's why he transferred. And, you know, it's – <laughs> I mean, you can't fault him for that, though. Fromm played his ass off as a freshman. He did, but it's that I, year. I, that I know year, your point, though. From Fromm's a higher floor. Easton's a way higher ceiling. I mean, I'm I'm with you there. Yeah. It, it, that year reminds me a lot of this year because our defense that year was also incredible. Um, that was the Roquan year, wasn't it? Yes. <laughs> and Lorenzo Carter. Um, oh, yeah. Three of those linebackers on that team are starting on the same team in the NFL. But Leonard, Leonard Floyd was on that team, wasn't he? Um, no. I don't think so. No, I, I think, think he was he, before. Yeah, he graduated and okay. he graduated with Aaron Murray. I think. Oh, wow. And, okay. Or maybe Never mind. He, maybe he was there a year after Aaron Murray. I, don't know. I think it was 14, maybe. Anyway. Um, it's it's one of those deals where our defense is so good that our offense never. Uh, Leonard Ford was there. He was he drafted in twenty fifteen, so he would have been there in fifteen. So he was a little bit before that, but I'm 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 closer than I expected. Okay, okay. here we go. So, yeah. Edit that out. Okay, that was just so, me. Conclusion. Thanks for looking that up. So. Um, but yeah, it was. It it reminds me a lot of this year because our defense was so good. You know, we didn't really face an offense until, um, you know, Oklahoma and Alabama that we really didn't need to score a lot of points. And um, this year – Luckily, Oklahoma was Charmin soft. (laughs) Yeah, luckily, Oklahoma had a lot worse defense than Alabama. But I'm just saying the QB – that reminds me a lot of – from like from and Stetson it's the same situation they're going to keep you in the they're going to I mean they're going to ride the defense they're going to do what they do to win the game but when it comes down to it you know from was I think was a little better than Stetson was obviously I'm not comparing them you know talent wise I'm just saying the overall aspect of what those two seasons look like when you right. have an arguably talent a more talented guy on the bench and then the following year, we get Justin Fields. And, you know, I, when I talk to people and try to explain to people that Kirby is terrible with QBs, they always say, you don't know what you're talking about. It happened last week when I went to dinner with some guys. I was like, Kirby is a terrible manager with quarterbacks. He doesn't know how to handle them. And they were like, dude, no. He was just riding from – and That's exactly – mismanaging the problem yeah that was the problem he he was he just went but to I, natty, I think... he just went to a natty with from of course he's not going to start i was like well dude like i get it and he that's fair and that's that, fair that is a fair point but at the same time when you have a more talented guy on the bench you have to give him a chance bro and it's not even like wondering if uh, Fields was better or not? Everyone, everyone knew what Jake Fromm was. Everyone knew that Kirby knew what Jake Fromm was, and everyone knew what Justin Fields was too. So, 
And and what's what's really asinine about the whole situation is that Justin Fields played in what eleven games that year. He played in pretty much every game at some point, and he would come in there and run the same damn quarterback power to the left side every single <laughs> snap he took. You yep. you might as well left him. You, you might as well not even put him on scholarship. He yep. could have been your scout team quarterback and done that. Like yep. it's it's so asinine that you have a guy that, that he's he's good enough to think I have to play him every game. I have yep. to. He's that good, and you don't let him throw the ball. I mean, what was it like UMass or something where he came in there and was just just heaving the ball field? Looked like he made up Clemson look last last January. But then, but the the conundrum of that whole thing is that on the other side of that, you have us with Kelly Bryant who just took us to the playoffs, and Trevor Lawrence comes in. And we're like, okay. <laughs> You know, we gave you a fair chance, Kelly, but you ain't that guy. Exactly. You even it could have been Kelly, the exact same. You even let Kelly start the first game or two, right? Started the first four games. Exactly. Like, obviously, you're going to. We, gonna, made, we literally made guy. Trevor Lawrence go on ESPN and make it so obvious that we had no choice. Yeah. I mean, Justin Fields didn't get that opportunity. Dang. I just I looked at Justin Fields' stats at Georgia, and he got. Pretty much one one game worth of of um, stats: twenty seven completions, thirty nine attempts for sixty nine percent, three hundred twenty eight yards, uh, an average of eight point four, uh, with four touchdowns, zero picks. That looks like exactly what most he did of that, every most game. of that had to be the UMass game where he played like <laughs> two and a half quarters. Yeah, wasn't it UMass? Am I remembering that correctly? Yeah, you, you got it right. It was UMass because that's when they had uh, what's his face a receiver. Oh yeah, Andy Isabella. Yes. Um, hard. hard. More um, rushing attempts than threat passing attempts. It, it, That's just, my point. Like, I get I get playing prom after that, but you've got to put that guy on the field. He's clearly better and whatnot. Like, it just it, – it's so – Give him, so give him more than one play. We're, That's we're all never, I'm asking. We're, the QB is the most important position, arguably, on the entire football field. And when you are incompetent, at that position, it really hurts your chances of winning big games and winning championships. You see, you saw it with Clemson, like Sam just said, bringing in Trevor over Kelly. You saw it in Alabama. We won a trophy with that shit, too. You saw it in Alabama. Saban brought in Tua after Hurts did the same thing. Brought in Tua in the natty. Brought a freshman in the national championship game in, after halftime and won that game it's decisions like that that and then the next year in the sec championship reversed it lived it back (laughs) yeah like lincoln rally did that lincoln rally did that this year at oklahoma too putting in caleb williams over i mean it didn't really lead to that much but like you you gotta get rid of like he's gotta get rid of these personal connections that's that's my only guess somebody to bench for dj oh my god (laughs) (laughs) like you got to get rid of these connections you have with these guys. Like I get it, they're the underdogs. You know, they're not as talented. You know, well, don't don't get hard rid of, workers and know. blah blah blah. But you put, you want to give your team the best chance to win. You put the right guy on the field. I don't care what the right. what connection you, you also, have. So you also put those guys at like receiver or special teams, play a little safety. <laughs> you don't put those guys at quarterback. No. <laughs> You're right. You don't. Maybe if maybe if you're Northwestern, bro, when you're trying to win a playoff game and championships, you you just you just can't. I mean, they're he's not Baker Mayfield. 
No. Not all walk-ons are created equal. He's not Hunter Renfro. Like, he's just – he's not that guy. And granted – He's a good player. He is. He's done great, you know, with what he's been able to do. But to be honest with you, any quarterback on that roster outside of Carson Beck could be 12-0 as well. Any quarterback on that roster besides Carson Beck. You think Carson Beck would have – point when Carson Beck have lost? You think Carson Beck's that bad? Yeah. <laughs> oh. But honestly, he probably he probably could too, dude. I mean, our defense gave up 17 points was the most they've given up. Like, any quarterback could have gone 12-0. and That's why I hate it when people say, oh, like people are saying, oh, don't get mad at Stetson. It's not his fault. He's 12-0. and I'm like, well, hey, man. Any quarterback probably no Stetson's only one, bro. <laughs> could also go twelve and zero, dog. Like it, it, it is ridiculous, and it is so frustrating that, it, like, I can't even like get mad at it that much anymore because I already know the outcome. He's gonna play the rest of the year, whether we win or lose, and it it's just it's debilitating. You and another fact. I respect it though when Kirby makes up his mind, dude. He's going to ride it out. He, If he makes up his mind. And another key point that a lot of people forget about, which makes me realize that Kirby truly has – either he has no idea what he's doing or, yeah, I'll just say he probably has no idea what he's doing. Is I don't remember last – if y'all remember last year, who was the guy that started that game against Arkansas? Against Arkansas was DeMond Mathis. Exactly. He started. And I mean, he also came in to relieve, um, what's his name, Stetson in the Florida game when nobody could complete a pass over 15 yards. Meanwhile, JT Daniels is sitting on the sideline playing with his hair and sending Snapchats to boys. Yeah. And if he, he started DeWan Mathis over Stetson, what does that tell me? That he feels like Dwan gave you a better chance than Stetson did. I don't even know yeah. about Yotto. better chance, dude. I just think like he knows exactly. Everyone knows exactly who Stetson is. You don't. Yeah. Even, you don't it, even have to give the dude reps. You know exactly where he's going to go when you put him out there at quarterback. Like you're not going to be surprised at what he does. Yeah, just like he was probably going for ceiling. Like Dwan probably had a way higher ceiling. He's like, let's give this guy some reps. His first attempt at Stetson trying that respectfully has the lowest ceiling of of any quarterback in Ever. Power Five football probably because he's old. He's old. He's a limited guy. Maybe, I mean, maybe Zeb. Zeb doesn't. Care. <laughs> I ain't even gonna go there. Um, yeah, let's not talk about <laughs> South Carolina. I mean, dude, Zeb and, had to play, and he just needs to platform. And that man, that man, JT is six and zero as a starter. Like, bruh. Like, Every, everybody's undefeated at Georgia until they play Alabama. <laughs> exactly. And, you, like, I, I, I don't know. They're, they're, I, I've read speculations of other stuff going on. So, the reason why JT isn't starting um, is because – I heard some rumors that, about, about him getting cussed out of practice last week, stuff like that. It's his, um, his family and his uh, family doctor and trainer getting involved and – I think it's rubbed Kirby the wrong way 
of how every, all of it's been handled. And I think he's not playing Stetson out of spite. And it's, it's one of those situations I'm not going to play you unless Stetson gets hurt. And it's, it's pretty sad. Because, that's, how you, that's how you win football games right there. Yeah. It's, it, it's just, it's. Kirby, football <laughs> guy. Yeah. Period. Is, is good of a coach he is and on the defensive side of the ball and other aspects in recruiting, you think the QB would be the last position that he would implode on. And um, at this point, I wouldn't, if I was a quarterback, if I was Todd Munkin or whoever else quarterback's coach is, I think it's Munkin. It's Munkin, yeah, it is. I wouldn't let him – I wouldn't even let him meet the quarterback until I named a starter. <laughs> yeah, he's a wrestler. I really, dude, I really, think, Kirby. I really think Kirby's just too, too, in, too in it. He is. He's, he's, he's too involved in the offense. Which, um, I mean, every, every head coach has to be involved, but, like, don't, don't shoot yourself in the foot by, by overriding your offensive coordinator's ideas. Yep. And I'm honestly shocked these big court, like these high recruits at the quarterback position want to go play at Georgia. Honestly, yeah. same. Because <laughs> like, because you you see you've seen this trend since Kirby got there of the five stars transferring. And but I think you also look at it every changed. year. It's like there's so much there's so much talent around you, and they're playing Stetson. I'm better than Stetson. That's what they're all thinking. Exactly. Yeah, they're thinking, so they okay, get, you got, so you they got get everybody there, else in like, the roster. No, no, no. Stetson's the yeah, best. Yes, everybody on the roster is worse than Stetson. Well, I'm better than Stetson. I'm going to go in and play immediately. Like, hell, next year, if if, That's, if, that, if like, the fallout is real with, with Vandegrift and Carson Beck really does suck, bro, y'all, y'all, I mean, you're going to have no choice but to play Gunnar Stockton, I don't think. I mean, it's, it, I, I'm really, I'm really worried about the, the spot next year. I'm, Hey, listen, we got this. Yeah, y'all get another, y'all get another walk on. Oh, some shit. Yeah, for real. Oh, another walk on. It's incredible that y'all have multiple five star QBs in that room and you're starting Stetson Bennett. Yep. Yep. Every other, uh, well, most other teams in the nation would kill to have one five star QB in their quarterback room and he would be the guy. Y'all got two and they're both behind little Stetson Bennett. Every every five every five star we've had is sat on the bench. Just think about that. Every five star quarterback we've had sat on the bench. Technically, except Jake Fromm. When Eason went, except when Easton was there one year. Technically, Jake Fromm was a five star. I thought he was a four star. On rivals, he was five. Uh, I think on the other ones, he might have been four. But Easton ended up sitting too. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Except his first year when we had. No one else. Jake Fromm might may have been a five star, but he's definitely he's on an honorary four star. Yes, <laughs> honorary. It, yeah, it was the same thing with Jordan Davis. He was a three star on some sides and a four star on other sides. Yeah. So I mean, it, I don't know, dude. It it it's so it's so frustrating because we're this close from a dynasty. I, I mean, truly. The QB is what is holding us back from the dynasty. I mean, when's the last time in the playoff era that a team without a superstar quarterback won? Never. The answer is never. You got to have it. You got to. You got to. Even if you do have it, you still might get beat by a better one. Yeah. That's the playoff is literally who has the most badass quarterback. Yep. With good complimentary 
def- I mean, situational defense, quarterbacks, receivers. I mean, that's just the way it goes. Because when I mean, when you look at it, like legitimately, I mean, I guess the first the first playoff was was FSU one with Jameis Winston in fourteen, right? Yep. It was it was Cam Newton, you know, before that, before the playoff mm-hmm. even started. Like there were, I mean, it's, it's the, well, the, the, BC, the BCS had a little BCS was a little weird because you had guys like Jake Coker and Blake Sims and like weird, weird. Bro, Jake Coker won it. the playoff. Jake Coker beat oh, really? Deshaun Watson in 2015. Yeah. Yeah. By handing Coker that bitch to Derek Henry. Mm, so we that's, so him. that's, so that's the one. Derek that's Henry it. and tossing it up he's, to he's, he's the one. That's what I'm saying. You can have the most badass quarterback and still lose in the playoff. Uh, I mean, why do I always I always think Jake Co- Jake Coker is like so old? Well, because there was like three. Because he feels he feels like a 08. <laughs> had, you had, yeah, you yeah, had he feels like that vibe. He feels like Greg McElroy or something. You had McCarron and older Mac- guys. And then yeah. yeah, it was it was him and John Parker Wilson back there when Saban yeah. showed up. Yeah. Yeah. I'm pretty yeah. sure Coker was like, like a four or five star when he came to Florida State too. That's what's crazy about it. He probably was, and then he was a handoff specialist though. But hey, I mean. You got to have a superstar QB to win football games nowadays. And, and offense. Or, I mean, if, if Stetson had Derrick Henry behind him, might be a different story. I don't know. Maybe. Oh, we, got, uh, we, got, we got five stars all around them. <laughs> we got Derrick Henry, though. Them. They've got enough five-star backs in the room to make up one Derrick Henry, at least. I mean, Stetson's ridiculous. literally the only guy that didn't have 30 offers on the entire roster. Yeah. McConkey had more offers than that man, and he had one. McConkey, McConkey, he ain't playing though. That's that's what I'm saying. McConkey's horde, horde. <laughs> Renfro incarnated. I love it. Now he's he's got he's got more straight up speed than Renfro, but I don't know. If, I don't know if he's running routes like that. Yeah, I was about to say he got, he he got, got way run, more speed. He ain't got the route running, but he got the speed. Renfro had that route running on one hundred and one, boy. He was a glitch. Yeah, I mean, I miss yeah. Renfro, dude. I, I wonder what DJ would look like if he had somebody that he could just throw the ball in the zip code and they go get it. But he can't throw it in the zip code. I what am I say, talking? He doesn't throw it in the zip code. <laughs> Bro, I hadn't watched him play in a week. I'm out here talking crazy. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, that's all I got on uh, Georgia's situation. And, you know, hopefully, um. You know this this ass spanking, you know, fires that defense up, um, and goes back to the roots. Because I mean, honestly, guys, I think we can beat Alabama by two touchdowns. Um, granted, we'd have to have. I mean, I'm I'm still in the camp that, that Georgia Georgia can win. Definitely, I, I, I think we can easily win that game. But I hope we get to see it though. I really do because I feel like. I like Michigan. I like the idea of Michigan and Cincinnati being in that thing, but I don't. Let's just go. Let's just know. rewind back to the SC championship. Yeah. Let's just Can we just SC run that one back? Yeah. And then, you know, I don't know. I, I really wonder if, if Oklahoma State had just come out there and dogged Baylor, if Georgia would still be in. But that's either here nor there. That would have been crazy. <laughs> it's a great, it's a great debate to have, but, um, I don't know if we need to have it because obviously Oklahoma State did not throttle Baylor. Oh, one more, one more, um, one more fact, and I'll quit talking about 
um, this shitty QB situation. Since 2017, we, or not we, Georgia has only, <laughs> since him I love that? how you separated yourself from a match. <laughs> <laughs> um, because I'm not a part of Georgia. But anyway, um, you know what I mean. Since 2017, we've had only 16 games where we've had to throw in the ball more than 30 times. Eight and eight. Eight yeah. and eight. Eight and eight. That just that just gives you gives you a little uh, idea of what it's time what happens when we get down. Which is insane. Yeah, bro. Hold on. And that shows you how good our dominant our defense has been the last couple of years. We only had sixteen games where we've had to throw the ball more than thirty times. Or how damn hard headed y'all are on offense. Exactly. I mean, it, maybe both. It's so mind boggling, bro. Munkin at OSU averaged 46 attempts a game. Tell me Kirby Smart is not controlling the offense. Oh, bro, go to Winston's stats when he broke the NFL record. When he was uh, uh, Jamison Winston's um, coordinator on the, um, for the Buccaneers, they threw the ball. All, he probably had 50 attempts a game. That's what I'm saying. Hire was that the year he threw 30 picks and 30 touchdowns? Yes. Let's go. But Can you like, imagine? My like quarterback's 5, got 25 picks in the last two weeks, and we're going to throw it 50 times. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> he had like 5,000 yards or something. Well, bringing, bringing, in Todd, bringing in Monken was like Kirby accepting the new age of college football, and then he was like, just kidding. Take, I'm taking the keys of the car back. You're just going to sit yeah. here and be the face. Yeah. Great. <laughs> hey, here's, uh, here's Nick Saban's offense from 09 learn it <laughs> this is what we run we do what we do yeah it's 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 just frustrating when it's it'd be different if we had guys starting that should be starting and we lose that's one thing i can take that better but okay that team was just better but when we lose and there's clear areas in the game that Changes could have been made or changes should be made throughout the year to win games. It just – that's the frustrating part. It's – it's yeah. I mean, just handcuffing yourself to Stetson just going to – might be the end of it. Might be the end of y'all this year. Could be. Could be the one that mm-hmm. drags you down. I mean he, – he, he wouldn't even start at Vandy, dog. I mean, like, dude, what? Ollie, Ollie, like he, he, dude, he was starting Clemson. <laughs> okay. it's just, come on now you know Dabo loves him on a walk on you know how he'd be I'm, I'm, I mean I'm, who would like even I would I really even I would rather will. have I would rather have Brock out there throwing it 40 times in Stetson yeah I'd rather have Brock Bowers throwing it 40 times <laughs> bro we about to line up and run some damn Tim Tebow with that boy it's Maybe just like why there's just no reason Stetson's uh, just like Nothing like I don't know. It just it's mind blowing. I, I I can talk about it all night, but Stetson Stetson's gonna be the most hardcore high school football coach of all time. He's oh, got yeah. it written all over him. Oh yeah. But yeah, we'll, we'll and there, I think there, we've I think we've beat Stetson to death at this point. His his kids are gonna be like, dude, you did not play D one football. He's gonna have to pull up his highlights and shit. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> oh my god. Yeah. Daddy, show me when you played Bama. <laughs> uh well, I guess next topic. Um obviously playoffs mm. were announced. Not a big surprise yeah. there. Um no. I mean, we could have had a lot of shakeup if you know one Notre Dame had a coach or ran a conference, if Oklahoma State would have won. Um Obviously, if Michigan loses and Ohio State jumps back in the picture, but you know, it could have gotten. Crazy I don't feel like there's really any discussion about the top four this year. There's yeah. like last year, A and M kind of got. I feel like they kind of felt like they were slighted or whatever at five because they had gone like a eight game win streak. But yeah. this year, I mean, it. I feel like you really got. These are the only four teams that I feel like are good enough to even like play with each other. Right. Michigan, Georgia is exciting. It's going to be a freaking slugfest. It's going to be a, like a, a fist fight at your cousin's trailer park. <laughs> yeah. It's going to be that kind of game. I can't both wait. Teams, both teams are going to run the ball 55 times. Yeah. And hopefully Georgia's defensive line shows up because, I mean, I don't know, though. I feel like Michigan – I feel like Michigan is just playing, like, mad right now. Yeah. Like somebody slapped their grandmama at the grocery <laughs> store and they're just pissed. You know what I mean? Yeah, I hope I hope Georgia comes out like that after that <clears throat> performance. Well, Alabama did slap your grandma. Yeah, did more in than public. Slap. In public, they did more than slap. They beat her to death in public. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, obviously Georgia has um, is in the Orange Bowl against Michigan. Uh, Clemson's in the Cheez It Bowl against Iowa State. Kind of an interesting matchup. And then South Carolina I think it's is very in, interesting. in the Duke's Mayo Bowl versus North Carolina, which is another pretty interesting matchup, which we'll obviously get into when the games get closer. We're not going to get into them this week, but um, all that just came out. So that's exciting. Georgia Tech didn't make a bowl game, unfortunately. But they do have a new offensive coordinator, though. But Sid do. is not with us. So we'll. So we'll save that. We'll introduce you to Chip Long later. Sid's in, in Vegas. He's losing all his money right now. Yeah. Yeah. Sid's on his bowl game. All right. <laughs> Sam, you wanna you wanna book in this with the, the Clemson coordinator hot board here? Oh yeah. So um today's Tuesday. Um so as of right now, obviously Brent Venables has gone to Oklahoma um to be their head coach, which Congrats, Oklahoma. I feel like he's going to absolutely crush it, um, which is unfortunate because I don't really know how I feel about, like, having Oklahoma as, like, a second team I'm going to ride with. I, I've, I've always – I've liked Oklahoma for a while now, probably just because Connor or whatever, but right – Do you when, hate him now? No, no. Right when Brent Venables took that job, I was like, you know what? Brent Venables is not such a bad guy. This is – you're like, this is my squad now. <laughs> Yeah, I like Venables is, is the goat. So, I think he's gonna put Oklahoma in a good spot in the SEC. Yeah, yeah, and I think you know, and then Crystal Ball to Miami, another huge domino falling. Jesus, dude. Should we should we just do the coach hot board next week, Sam, and just talk talk about that shit? The Crystal I mean, Ball to Miami, bro. They just like they hired him without even firing <laughs> Manny Diaz yet. Bro, they didn't even have. They don't even have an athletic director yet. <laughs> I mean, they're about to. But who even? Who even did it? Just a, the president. 
I think Manny Diaz might have been like, hey, this is our guy. <laughs> they're like, no, 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 he's replacing you, dog. And he was like, oh, oh, okay. Shoot. Oh, no. So I got to go. <laughs> I can stay. Yeah. Somebody was like, we need to get this cat out of here <clears throat> quick. You know, we got we got about nine minutes, so I'll just go ahead and run through this for yeah, the defense coordinator. Obviously, oh yeah, OC's not um, gone yet, so we don't need to get into that quite yet. Right? Yeah, Tony Elliott's still flirting with Duke. Um, I would I would say the odds that he takes that job or the odds that he's offered that job right now is probably sixty forty that he goes and gets okay. offered it. Um, but we're not there yet. So as of right now, we only have one coordinator vacancy, and that's on defense. Um, as of today, we found out that there has been a behind-the-scenes analyst guy that we're looking to promote. His name's Wes Goodwin. A um, little background on him. Uh, so, Woody McCorvey is Dabo Sweeney's guy. He was a coach at Bama when Dabo was there, and Woody McCorvey's been around the block. Um, so, Woody McCorvey was the defensive coordinator at Mississippi State. Um, when Wes Goodwin was a student there, he's a graduate assistant under McCorvey. And then in 2008, when Dabo was hired, uh, they removed the interim tag. Obviously, Woody McCorvey came over here to be kind of like Dabo's right-hand man. And he brought he brought old Wes Goodwin with him. And from that point, Wes Goodwin was obviously just a lower-level staffer, what have you. Um, <clears throat> but he ended up becoming Kevin Steele's main analyst um, a lot of what he was doing was putting together like formations tendencies situational stuff against offenses and supposedly is extremely smart at recognizing tendencies memorizing that kind of stuff um, supposedly he's he's been behind a lot of the sign stealing him and another guy um, that Brent Venables is taking some heat for um, you know it is what it is but um you know, after after working alongside Kevin Steele, he ended up going to, uh, to the Cardinals with Bruce Arians, and he was Arians' assistant head coach. He was not an on-field coach, but he was uh, he was basically Bruce Arians' guy. Um, so it's just sort of what? interesting. And then, obviously, in 2018, um, came back to Clemson and took over for Zach Alley, who was Brent Vittles. Uh, main analyst so he's been the senior defensive analyst for Clemson for the last three seasons um, but obviously has a pretty extensive Clemson background prior to that um, so I mean he's been around no on-field experience is really the main negative to this um, but you know again lots of experience as a game planner tons of experience in scouting getting ahead of uh, of the team in terms of um, looking at future opponents. I mean, this is the kind of guy that you lock in a room for like 15 days straight. And he just like comes out with a hundred DVDs and here's every third down that Texas has ever run. Like since 1945, like this is what they do when they're in 21 personnel and the coach sneezes on the sideline, like, like crazy analytical stuff like that. And, um, you know, they talk about him as he's been like the most influential behind the scenes analyst type guy over the last few years. So, Basically, we're over here looking at this like X's and O's defensive rain man kind of kind of guy. But we don't know if he can coach. We don't know if he can teach. We don't know if he can recruit. Um, frankly, this kind of reminds me of like Tony Elliott, the very analytical, like sit in the box, not talk to anybody type. Um, so we'll we'll see how that goes. But as of, as of this point, he's been promoted. He was he was the designated filling guy 
and he was going to call plays if Brent Venables ever got COVID and had to miss a game. So that tells you that this has kind of been a contingency plan for the last couple of years. Um, but he's going to step in and be co-defensive coordinator um, with Mickey Kahn, who is our current safeties coach. Um, he's been our safeties coach since 2017. Um, spent a year as a defensive analyst in 2016 before being put in an on-field role. Um, you know, Mickey Kahn is a guy that takes a lot of heat from Clemson fans because he he, he played at Alabama with Dabo, and him and Dabo have had a, you know, a long relationship. So he was kind of seen as like the, the token coach. And I don't think he was necessarily the choice Brent Venables wanted um, as safeties coach when we decided to add a safeties and a corners coach because prior Mike Reed was doing both. Um, so he's just kind of been the butt of a lot of jokes. But I mean, when you look at it, I mean, he's as of when he retired, he was the, one of the winningest head coaches um, ever in terms of a per season basis at Grayson High School, turned him into a national power, just pumped out power five recruits year after year. Um, he called their offense and defense in high school. So, I mean, there's there's stuff like that. The guy obviously knows football. Um, but, I mean, when you look at what he's done at Clemson, five AC, all ACC selections in his five years, um, and he's, again, he's he's more of an X's and O's guy that's more, I guess he's more suited for an on-field role in the sense that if you have, if you have a guy like Goodwin up in the box who's looking at formations and tendencies and stuff like that, he's relaying those down to Khan. And Khan is the one, like, cussing the players out on the sideline, like getting everybody ready to go. Um, so they're going to tag team the defensive coordinator role. Um, and – and for the bowl game, I don't know if it's going to be a permanent thing or if this is sort of like a tryout for both of them and then maybe see how it goes, see kind of what's going on in recruiting through the early signing period. Um, but as of right now, Goodwin's gone out on the road as of today. Khan uh, has obviously been out on the road. But I think the the one thing Mickey Khan can say is that he's, he's done a lot more with less. Um, and you can say it's his own fault for not recruiting better, but you can also look at you know, guys like Tanner Muse was a three-star. Kayvon Wallace was a two-star on some sites. Denzel Johnson and Van Smith were listed as three-star receivers when they came in. Nolan Turner was a – he was a Dabo, you know, make-a-wish offer. So, I mean, you have guys like this that he's turned into, like – I mean, these guys are playing at, like, all-conference levels. You know, Nolan Turner's been second-team All-ACC twice. Tanner Muse is a first-team All-ACC player. Kayvon Wallace was All-ACC. Now you have Andrew Makuba, who's in the running for freshman of the year because he's a dog. So you can sit here and say, yeah, it's his own fault that he hasn't recruited, but he's he's made more with less than arguably any position on the field at Clemson in the last few years. So, and I mean, Makuba's a freshman, so Makuba's coming back. So you can sit here and say, well, he hasn't recruited, but I mean, you can argue the best player in our secondary, the best player in our secondary next year is going to be Makuba by a mile. So, again, I think it's – I mean, I'm not surprised at this. We know Davo likes to hire from within. It is what it is. I did have one name, uh, an interesting candidate, if we did go outside, which obviously that's not really the, the case here. But John Heacock, he's the Iowa State defensive coordinator. He's been there since 2016. Um, he's been a head coach at Youngstown State for nine years. He's a defensive coordinator at a few different places, a couple different Power Five. Uh, programs, but in 2019, when when Clemson had a ton of like attrition on the defensive line and just didn't have any depth, when basically the Isaiah Simmons year, 
when we just moved him around and did all these odd fronts and, you know, the simulated pressures and stuff like that. Brent Venables went out and spent like three weeks with John Heacock in Iowa over the summer. And that's where a lot of that kind of stuff came from. In terms of a scheme like X's and O's, he's probably the closest thing to Brent Venables that you're going to find. Uh, Jeff Knowles, the Oklahoma State guy that went to Ohio State's pretty close. Um, but just sort of an interesting scheme fit uh, for John Heacock. Obviously, that's not the direction we went, but just sort of something interesting to look at. But, yeah, like I said, well, we got we got Rain Man and Mickey Kahn there you go. as our defense coordinators. So, we'll, we're, we're going to see what happens. Yeah. Well, that's about it from us. Uh, we'll have a lot more coaching updates and everything next episode, and Sid will be back to talk about uh, Chip Long, the new offensive coordinator at Georgia Tech. Um, but, yeah, thanks for listening, and we'll, uh, we'll catch you next time.